This is Matt Hurt at Obsessive Viewer on Twitter. This is Tiny at Obsessive Tiny on Twitter. And this is episode. <laughs> and this is ObsessiveViewer.com's The Obsessive Viewer Podcast. Still. Yep, yep. It's funny because. You can't, you don't hear this part. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> this will be edited uh, in post. <laughs> yep. Uh, hello and welcome to the Obsessive Viewer. We are live on location at an undisclosed bookstore that doesn't give us money, so we're not going to, going to <laughs> what it is. Uh, we are a weekly movie and TV podcast that covers a, spe- a specific topic. Be it genre, trope, movie, or show, each episode. You can find more of our work at obsessiveviewer.com. You can also like us on Facebook and join the Facebook group at facebook.com slash theobsessiveviewer. And, uh, yeah, uh, and also episode sponsor for this week is, of course, Horror Movie Yearbook, a, uh, a great horror movie podcast that discusses um, horror movies by the year that they're released and contextualizes them to the... Um, uh, pop culture and current events of that year. So check them out at HM Yearbook on Twitter and at HorrorMovieYearbook.com. And we have a very special episode today. Tiny, how are you doing? I'm terrific. Great. I'm doing well. And guests, how are you doing? <laughs> awesome. Nice. Hey, how's it going, guys? Nice. So we've got Tony, uh, Tony Troxel. I almost said Tony and Draco and, and Matt Troxel. <laughs> <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. There's no that. ring on it. There's no <laughs> ring yet. <laughs> it's legal now, yet. guys. It's legal. Anyway. We have Tony Troxel, who has been on the podcast numerous times, and Matt and Draco, who has listened to the podcast numerous times. Uh, how are you guys doing? Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Actually, are we? Are you also a uh, patron? I, the, I am. Yes. A patron. I think we're like probably at least half, if not a hundred percent, of your patrons. You're like seventy five. Seventy five percent. I can remember. I can remember. And I, did, I didn't have to pay a hundred dollars to get into like be on the podcast. That's one. true. I think now I'm wow. indebted to you guys. That's true. I think wow. you're the only person who remembered that amount of money for that exact <laughs> thing because I had no idea. I thought it was like twenty bucks. Well, I, I say remember. Like... I say paid attention. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'd I forgotten about that that uh, reward tier too and the only reason that i have it on there is that i kind of shamelessly like copied that from a podcast that is wildly more su- su- successful than we are so. <laughs> so i will send you that invoice though for the, okay. for the uh, 100 bucks so but so, we are here outside a uh, bookstore with a coffee shop mm-hmm. and we're all enjoying our beverages so yes. don't mind the uh slight pauses that he's probably yes. going to edit out and well, post well. to make me look like an ass but <laughs> done <laughs> i'm just enjoying my frozen hot chocolate oh this i'm, was a I'm enjoying my uh, pumpkin spice latte i'm drinking straight whiskey he's out of the not, bottle God, no i got I, no, I got a macchiato oh good <laughs> yeah and and matt what did you get I got a very fancy Coca-Cola from a bottle. It says Megan on it. Two two fried chickens. Oh, shit. It does say Megan on it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Anyway, none of these people are giving us money. Uh, (laughs) We are here to talk about It, the 2017 movie that just was just released, directed by Andy Muschietti. I believe I butchered the hell out of that Muschietti? I don't know. Muschietti? I think you're pretty close. Uh, Sure. Thank you. Um, Italian. He's Italian. Sure. Let's just say he's Italian. I think so. It means you yeah. have to do it with your hands. Yes. Mm-hmm. He's a machete. Italian. Right. So anyway, the movie stars uh, Bill Skarsgård as Pennywise, Jaden Lieber... Uh, 
uh, Jaden Lieberer as Bill Denbro <laughs> and a bunch of other people, including Finn Wolfhard as uh, Richie Tozier. From he was in um, uh, Stranger Things last year. Yep. So yeah, so of course it is based on the novel by Stephen King. What is? Which it, <laughs> ah, of classic. course, of course. Had to get it out of the way. We're using his equipment. Don't don't antagonize him. Don't antagonize him. <laughs> I own you. <laughs> He's a patron. He's a patron. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, yeah. So we just came out of the movie theater. We had our Facebook groups event screening. That actually had people in it. Like people came. It was awesome. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, it was. it was very cool. It was it was us for Tiny's fiance plus her friend from work and also Andy, longtime listener, was there too. Mm-hmm. And you know, I would like to think that everyone else in the theater was also a listener in spirit, at least. Um, they, yeah, they are too worried to come up to they, see you. Yeah, you're exactly. very intimidating. Oh, yes. ex- exactly. Especially with my with my Pennywise shirt that I'm wearing. So so yeah. Yeah. So anyway, um, <laughs> and so speaking of Stephen King and everything, of course, you can also check out uh, our new podcast called Tower Junkies, uh, which is a podcast devoted to the Dark Tower and Stephen King as a whole. Find that at towerjunkiespod.com. We'll have another episode about, about it as well. And uh, speaking of which... I don't think I've given you guys the business cards Ooh, yet. Yeah. Here's my business because card. Because this is the perfect time to be doing it as we're recording. It is. Yeah. You sack. Okay. I'm taking that back now. Okay. That is a, that is, no, it's actually too nice to not, to not give out. Anyway, uh, so yeah, so let's kind of go around and talk about, um, our. This has a phone number on it. It does. Uh-oh. It does. Oh yes. And it is in several of, the uh, Stephen King books that are at this particular bookstore establishment. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, so let's go around and talk about our history with Stephen King really briefly, or at least you guys can. And then uh, uh, have you read it and, and what were your expectations for the film? And then we can go into our review. Uh, first time guest, Matt and Draco and patron. Would you <laughs> kick us okay. off there? Well, I guess history with Stephen King, I have very little history. Mm-hmm. Um, I had just recently started reading Dark Tower. I finished it. Um, and now reading it. I had seen a couple of the movie adaptations when I was growing up. Uh, I think probably Pet Cemetery, Um, just a couple others that I just don't remember. And, uh, I, yeah, my history with Stephen King's not very big. Okay. <laughs> with with whatever like with your history or your limited history how how do you feel about Stephen King like did you uh how much of the dark tower did you read first of all? I've just read the first book okay gotcha and uh which we will be raffling off a check over Irvington on October 6th just saying <laughs> um anyway um and and yeah how do you feel about like how do you feel about the adaptations you've seen before it before this one from an hour ago <laughs> um, well, I, I've liked the adaptations I've seen. I can't say that I've read the books of them to compare to. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, like I said, it was a long time ago, even so I don't really remember a ton of them. I remember thinking that they were very scary. Mm-hmm. Um, nice. I'm probably a horrible person for this. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. That's great. Uh, awesome. And then, Tony, what is your uh, connection to Stephen King? Well, like we talked about when I was uh, talking to you guys about uh, the movie That Shall Not Be Named because it was never actually made. Yeah, they never yeah. made This is the only theatrical. That episode a few years ago, that yeah. few episodes ago, that didn't yeah. exist. Right. Yeah. So, um, but, you know, I read a lot of Stephen King <laughs> mm-hmm. back in the uh, late 80s, early 90s, and it was one of the books that I read. 
Um, of course, I saw the miniseries, the classic with uh, Tim Curry as Pennywise. I saw yeah. that when it aired. That I really enjoyed because it also had like, you know, Harry Anderson and John yeah. Ritter and mm-hmm. right? all them. But uh, that was really enjoyable. <laughs> but I mean, I haven't really read or watched anything about this in crap 20 years. Wow. So it was, nice. was kind of cool coming in and going, I vaguely remember that. Mm. I, I remember that. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. It'd be cooler oh. if it was 27 years. That yeah, but cool. you know, you take, you take what we can get. Why can't you be 47 instead of 40? <laughs> I'm feeling old enough, man. Thank you very much. You You're welcome. Nice. Um, and Tiny, we've talked a lot about our we history. Have go, go ahead. Summer 99, literally. I spent my summer riding my bike back and forth to the library getting Stephen King books. Um, Cujo and Christine and The Shining. And I uh, fell in love with Stephen King, and I've been reading him on and off ever since. And uh, the movies are kind of hit or miss, but there's there's some gems in there, some some of the adaptations. So um, he he's my favorite author. It has become one of my favorite books. Mm-hmm. The Dark Tower is my favorite thing. So um, to say I'm a Stephen King fan is an understatement. Mm-hmm. And I am right there with you. I don't have that deep of a history with it with with Stephen King because I got started with uh, The Shining when I was 14 or 15. And, uh, yeah, I've been, like you, like you have been kind of reading off and on ever since and read the Dark Tower, loved the Dark Tower, read the Dark Tower twice, uh, did not see any movie because there was no movie that was made. Um, I did. That was, <laughs> anyway, um, we've talked, we've, ex- we've exceeded our quota for amount of Dark Tower talk yes. on the Obsessive In fact, viewers. that was one of the, um, requirements for using this equipment was we we're <laughs> right. not going to get into a rant about Dark <laughs> right. Tower. Yeah. So let's compare the, uh, Nybolt, <laughs> the Nybolt Street with the, the, with the house demon in the Dark Tower. No, I'm kidding. But anyway. I, I, um, I was. Anyway, moving yeah, anyway. on, moving on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, for more Dark Tower talk, go to Tower Junkies uh, pod. Anyway, um, yeah, and I just, I love Stephen King. I With the with the uh, advent of audiobooks, and I've, I've gotten more into audiobooks ever since January when we had Mike on for our year-end episode, and he talked about audiobooks. Like, I started, I resubscribed to Audible. I've been listening pretty much this entire year to different audiobooks, and I'm just going through Stephen King works now um, with that, and it's just been amazing. And so it's nice to rediscover the greater uh, thing that I love uh, being Stephen King books um, instead of just the kind of macro of the, the Dark Tower series, if that makes sense. Absolutely. But yeah, so yeah, so what did you guys think of the, of the adaptation of It uh, this year? Uh, who wants to start? I can start. Okay, Tiny. Okay. Uh, I really loved it. Nice. It was great. Um, I watched the miniseries from the, from 1990 earlier uh, in the week, uh, just as a comparison. And I, I think it's I think it's an interesting juxtaposition watching them next to each other. But ultimately, this the new movie is I think I think superior after only seeing it once. Um, it was a really cool interpretation. They um, they they took some creative licenses in some places that were. Really good ideas, I think. Instead of instead of sticking to the book, you know, a hundred percent. I think it was really creative. It was they made they made good choices. <laughs> I'll say that. Yeah. Um, the kids were awesome. Mm-hmm. They did yeah, they a great were. job, and uh, it was written well. It it I think it was you know it felt like a very well paced movie. It, it, they didn't they didn't throw too much at you at once or slow anything down. It was it was a really great adaptation. I loved it. Absolutely, yeah, totally. Uh, Tony, how about you? Yeah. 
No, I, I, I agree with Tiny. It was, it was very well done. It was, it, you know, I don't have as strong a memories as he does. I haven't watched a miniseries in years. Mm-hmm. I haven't read the book in years. I thought you meant but, for this, for this movie. Like, we just saw it like an hour ago. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I had the memory of a goldfish. Sure. <laughs> so anyway, like you asked, I thought the movie was awesome. I haven't, I haven't said that yet. Have I? I don't think so. <laughs> you were building toward that, and then I was okay. an asshole and interrupted you. <laughs> no, no, it was it was very good. Um, one thing we were talking about um, when we left is this is the first horror film I have seen in the theater since Freddy's Dead: The Final Nightmare in the early nineties. Right. Wow, horror is just not my genre. Um, it was, but it was very enjoyable. It was creepy without being. Unfortunately, a lot of the jump scares were given away in the trailer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I feel so. You, almost everything you kind of knew was coming, but it didn't detract. It mm-hmm. didn't detract from the enjoyment at all. Um, like you said, the kids were, the kids were awesome, which is something you really just don't ever say yeah. about child actors because, you know, they're, they're still figuring everything out. That's not a yeah. slam against them. It's just they're mm-hmm. kids. Mm-hmm. Um, they all did a very good job. And, you know, I mean, it was no killer clowns from outer space, <laughs> but it was, it was definitely, definitely, definitely a good movie. Nice. Definitely. Nice. <laughs> Matt, how about you? I really enjoyed it. Like Tiny, I also watched the, uh, the it mini series last night, actually. Oh, I nice. stayed up watching it. Um, I thought I had seen it, but apparently I had not. I had seen parts of it. Uh, so it gave me a really good comparison since I'm very, Still at the very beginning of the audiobook. Mm-hmm. Um, I also agree the kids were just really good. Mm-hmm. You would think that they had been like hanging out with each other for years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and another thing with them, especially, uh, I know it's a horror movie, but I got a lot of laughs from them. Yeah. Um, they, more laughs from any horror movie I think I've ever seen. Nice. Um, and how they did Pennywise was, uh, very powerful. I think like it was, it worked very well. Absolutely. And coming to me, I, I freaking loved this movie so much. It was like just seeing, just seeing, like just the establishing shots of Derry Maine is just, they captured oh. just the essence of the novel so well. And it was, it was such a great way to kind of bring this, at least half of this massive book to life. Um, it really captured the nostalgia of, of, youth and, and childhood friendships um you really get attached to the losers club and like tiny said there are some creative liberties but nothing that detracts from the source material it's all done out of love for the source material and you see you you definitely see how well um it translated when you compare it to compare it to the book in your mind at least like i did um you really get a sense of of just the camaraderie between these characters um they even I would think that probably one of the, not shortfalls of it, but it's more the, the more issues that I have with it, um, just very much like on the surface is more issues with the source material. Like Henry Bowers is, is a little, uh, like he was fine in the movie, but it, in the book, he's, he's not, um, let's see, the way that we described it on Tower Drunk is he's, he's kind of a, he's kind of a stepping stone villain for the Losers Club. Right. And he's in like, Stephen King kind of has a villain issue that his villains aren't are kind of two dimensional and everything. And and Henry Bowers in the movie was was good and strong and like like it was a strong character, but it was not as strong as as um as I would have liked. And that's a problem with the source material. But but beside that minor quibble with it, it was just a really fantastic movie. Bill Skarsgård did an amazing job. 
he was super chilling and menacing and the visual effects and the, the, the effects that were used to kind of show the, all the different facets of, of the creature were just really, really well done. I had actually heard on another podcast, I don't know for certain if this is true, but I'd heard that this had a fairly low budget and I did not, like, I did not, uh, expect that from it because this movie had like it looked just amazing and uh kind of my final thought is that <laughs> as as a co- as a cat father i've never been more terrified from a movie before in my life right. <laughs> 35 million 35 million this had a 35 million budget wow that is they insane. made such good use of they that really yeah, did. that's incredible like they didn't have a ton of cgi but they used it where it was kind of necessary or where it really enhanced everything absolutely fun fun fact from the trivia on imdb i guess when uh, pennywise's eyes looked in two different directions that was actually skarsgård doing it it wasn't digital i'd heard that (laughs) very cool yeah (laughs) that's crazy yeah that's what i was going to say about i was i was actually going to mention the practical effects versus cgi like Mm -hmm. like matt said um that's it was refreshing kind of really to see it because i think it'd be so easy to do a largely cgi pennywise because he's just mm-hmm. so you know he's literally a shape it is a shapeshifter mm-hmm. and so it's it could be so easy to just just do that take the easy route mm-hmm. but they a did. giant spider right exactly yeah. <laughs> they took uh they took the hard route i mean he was in makeup mm-hmm. for a lot of this movie and it probably wasn't comfortable for him and you know they they, they took they made the right route not the easy route with with pennywise so that was smart absolutely Absolutely. And it's funny because I was watching while we were watching it, I kept thinking that or I kept remembering that I I, okay. so I have only recently read it for the first time. Listen to the audiobook and and I Stephen Weber is amazing at narrating it. Um, But that that was recently. So it has always been one of my blind spots for Stephen King's work. And after finishing it, I kind of remembered how. This production, uh, the news and everything throughout, throughout the production of it has been kind of, had, had been kind of, uh, an issue. Uh, it was originally going to be Kerry Fukunaga, um, from, from True Detective making it and then he dropped out eventually. And then they had the guy, the, this Andy Muschietti guy who had only really done the movie Mama. I know that hmm. there was some, uh, there were some issues or not issues, but there was and not even necessarily backlash because, because uh, it's not really that big of a deal. But when Bill Skarsgård was cast, it was, I at least had the impression that I was like, he seems like really young. Like it's, yeah. it was seemed like such a weird, uh, casting decision to me. And I kind of, I didn't write off the movie, but I kind of thought like, okay, well, I'm, I'm not going to have that high of expectations. And then when Stranger Things came out and Stranger Thing, Stranger Things, cribbed quite a bit from from Stephen King and from it specifically but when that came out and that was that was a, a worldwide like phenomenon um and then we got the trailer for this movie I was like yes this is like this is a perfect uh uh confluence of of events to really make a, a very successful and, and well done movie and uh yeah I think they knocked it out of the park 
Was Skarsgård, or however you say his name, was he the first cast for that? I thought I had seen something about they originally casted like this really young guy. Yeah, yeah. That's who was that that they? I know um, you're. I remember what you're talking about. Um, where you just look at him and you're like, no, he can't be. Yeah. he can't be like a crazy clown. It was. Yeah. The, it was the kid from uh, the Millers. We are the Millers, or Meet the Millers. That's or right. Um, um, he's a ginger kid. Yeah, I'm looking um, it up now, and maybe I'm kind of misremembering the my opinions of. Uh, of the of the production because maybe that's who I'm thinking of because I mean Bill Skarsgård is still fairly young. Yeah, he was born uh, the same year that the original was released in 1990. I saw that. Wow. Will, really? Will Poulter. Will Poulter. That's right. Yeah, Will Poulter was supposed to be Pennywise originally. That's right, and he was just in uh, Detroit, the movie, not the yes, series. right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's that's right. He was originally going to be in it, but. Well, about partway through this movie, about halfway through the movie, I just kept thinking, like, for a second, I was kind of, like, in the back, in the recesses of my mind, I was like, I wonder what the movie would have been like with Carrie Fukunaga and, and how that would have been done. And then as the movie progressed after that, uh, this was probably, like, a third of the way through the movie that I thought that. And I was just like, I don't care. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's just that good. It's it's just really, uh, really great. Um so let's talk a little bit about the Losers Club and the and the, the connection between them and, and how how the movie juggles seven distinct child personalities and, and puts them together. How did you feel about the the feel of, of the friendship among among all of them? Uh Tiny. Um I think it was they, they, they achieved that definitely. They definitely achieved that, but I feel like my my one little qualm is that the the bond between the seven, the seven characters of the Losers Club was not quite as engrossing or quite as deep as, like even even the miniseries. Honestly, definitely not the book, but even even the miniseries. I didn't feel like it was even as as good as that necessarily. But not to say that it they did a poor job or that it wasn't there or that it was completely missing. It's that's not the case. But I feel like I feel like they could have they could have delved into that a little bit deeper. Um, I feel sure. like some of that was missing just a little bit, but all in all, I really can't complain. I think it was well done. Um, the kids all did a great job and, and they wrote them fairly well. The, one exception to that I think is Stan Uris. Mm. Character Stanley Uris was, was pretty underdeveloped, I think, and he didn't have, I feel like he didn't have a ton of lines compared to the other characters. You know, it's funny you say that because I, I think that I, I agree with you, but also, I think that they did a lot more with him than the book did. Oh, really? Too. So I, I, I kind of liked what they did with it. Uh, how'd you guys feel about Stan Yaris? Well, I mean, he wasn't singing with a decapitated head in the freezer. Yeah. <laughs> sure. But I mean, I, I, I agree with that point. Yeah. That he, he was fairly disposable. Yeah. Um, as one of the kids. Um, but on, I actually disagree with you on the development of the kids. I think they, did a better job with this movie than they did the original miniseries. Okay, fair enough. This should tell you how uh, how engrossing and should answer the question how I thought Stanley was used. Which one was he again? <laughs> He's the, the Jewish, Jewish kid. the Jewish kid. I was saying this was not. A, I'm not. I was not kidding. It's like there's most of them. It's like I recognize the names when they use them, mm-hmm. but I'd forget their names. Yeah, <laughs> that's just a problem I have when you have a cast. That large right. yes. time I feel. I mean, when the central it, characters are seven kids, yeah. it's it's hard to differentiate them. Totally, you know, yeah. and they don't and they don't have like very distinctive like Luke, Han, Leia, right? Yeah, <laughs> right. Kirk, Spock, McCoy. <laughs> so, um, 
but no, it's um, the the core group was uh, really good. I mean, some of them just seemed more out of circumstance, mm-hmm. like you know, um, Mike, the mm-hmm. the last mm-hmm. one that joined them. It's like, yeah, cool. They they saved him from getting beat up, but then he's going to follow them into what could be certain death. That that just seemed to be like a leap. Yeah, I feel like <laughs> sure. they missed a little bit, uh, missed a note when that happened. Because in the book, it's he, like Mike is very indebted to the mm-hmm. original six of the Losers Clubs. He's very, he's very indebted to them, and he's like super loyal to them because they helped save him from Henry Bowers. Yeah. Um, so I feel like they dropped that a little bit. I agree with you there. It and seems, you know, it's what. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead I was just gonna say it seems like he came in fairly late too. Yeah, like it seems like he's just an add-on where. I haven't got to him in the book, but in like the miniseries, he seems almost, he's like the anchor of right. the club. Right. Um, and here they just came in real late. Mm-hmm. And I mean, yeah. you, you saw him throughout before he joined the Losers Club. Mm-hmm. But, you know, and touching on you, how they kind of missed a uh, linchpin there. I mean, mm-hmm. they just brushed it off when he said, now they're going to be after you. They're always after us. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's that just kind of brushed it off and kind of downplayed what they had done for him, which... Mm-hmm made me really kind of disbelieve that yeah this kid's really gonna follow them into creepy scary spooky house right yeah, yeah. it seemed it did seem a little bit uh like a circumstance substantial thing rather than uh developing it kind of properly and, and taking but that is such a minor nitpick it, really it is. is it's minor I it mean, is yeah yeah because the things that they do with the story that that really kind of uh like with it with the text that is so massive like for context, I referenced the business cards for Tower Junkies. Uh, we got a paperback edition of it that we're going to be giving away at Shocktober in Irvington, and the uh, the card fits on the spine of the book. Like that's how thick <laughs> right. this book is. And when you have that much, and of course this is only half of the story, but still there is still so much that that you can that needs to be excised from it, that needs to be rearranged and and put to fit the film medium. I mean, this is not a short movie. This is a two-hour and fifteen-minute movie. Which, not that there were any issues with pacing or anything. I wanted, I wanted it to be yeah. another two hours and fifteen <laughs> minutes because it was. Yeah. I wanted to live in that in that movie for even longer. Um, but yeah, the 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 way that they rearranged some things, like there's uh, there's certain characters that certain certain things happen to them in different ways than than what's depicted in the books, and I think that in some cases it definitely. Uh, enhanced it for me even from the source material uh a tad so yeah um yeah so i I like i like that a lot (laughs) (laughs) nice going with your comment on pacing i i agree with you a lot like i was watching it thinking the whole time like i could just keep watching this where last night i was watching the miniseries and i hit about the two hour mark and i'm like can this Mm -hmm. please end like i like the story but it's just going on you know it's completely different in the pacing right i agree yeah Absolutely. I'm only like halfway through the miniseries <laughs> myself, but, uh, but yeah, it's, yeah, that, that, the miniseries itself wasn't, uh, that great any, anyway, but, right. um, but yeah. You anyway. stopped trashing on my nostalgia. There's a reason I'm not rewatching it. <laughs> yeah. It was, it's you important. You are so making a mess. I am. <laughs> well, it keeps hitting my, my, Face. And, yeah. then, and then you strat, you try to wipe it off your thumb, and then the sound comes through on the microphone. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad you're editing this and not me. <laughs> True. Anyway, um, yeah. So, so where were we with all that? Well, I'm, I think a lot of listeners are probably curious how how Bill Skarsgård's performance measures up against Tim Curry's, oh. because I think 
we said it when we were talking about. Did we talk about? No, I guess we didn't really mention Tim Curry as much, but uh, his performance is absolutely iconic. Oh yeah. I mean, it's like I said, his his performance has been fused into pop culture now, and like that is the quintessential scary scary clown is Tim mm-hmm. Curry's performance as Pennywise, and so. I I feel like it's almost like a Jack Nichol- Nicholson versus Heath Ledger type thing with the Joker. Oh, you know, yeah, like, that's, I feel that's like, a really good comparison. Yeah, people are going right. to have their preferences, and I feel like you can't. Having seen the movie now, I think my stance is you can't really compare the two. I think, I think they're just two sort of slightly different interpretations of the same character. Mm-hmm. You know, just like the Joker was between those between those two most iconic performances of the Joker. Um, and I don't think we need to pick a favorite. I mean, Heath I, Ledger. I, <laughs> nice. Um, but I'm, I'm saying I don't think I don't think everyone's going to be I don't think I don't think there's a clear favorite between these two performances. Right. And it's kind of it, that is such a great analogy too because it is not only is it two different interpretations of the same character, it's two different interpretations of the same character in two different interpretations of the source material. Right. Because Batman is is wildly different from from Bat or from The Dark Knight in terms of tone and just the overall um uh creation of it. Whereas it, I mean, the miniseries, sorry to, to dump on your nostalgia, Tony, <laughs> but it's a made for TV movie from the nineties. Um, and this is a big budget, um, very, uh, R rated, uh, horror movie that was done for 35 million. Yeah. That is um, insane. Which the R rating was huge, by the way. That's what the miniseries was missing part of it, yeah. I think. Yeah. Now, my memory was, and since you guys have uh, watched the miniseries more recently, mm-hmm. Tim Curry played more a creepy Bozo the Clown. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Whereas Skarsgård just went flat out creepy. Mm-hmm. Scary. He, 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 he was scary, he was creepy, and he also happened to be a clown. Yes. Yeah. Whereas Tim Curry was playing a creepy clown. Yeah. Yeah. So just, I wanted to make sure that mm-hmm. I was remembering right. everything correctly so yeah like like you said tiny i mean they're both you know it's almost like comparing apples to oranges between yeah. the two yeah. they're both very awesome performances tim curry was one of the highlights of that you know made for tv right. miniseries but yeah it's it's hard to compare the two yeah and i would even say that tim curry's is probably closer to the source material too just because yeah that's the way he's described in the book is yeah. he's bozo the clown um he's a creepy a creepy bozo um, and it's, it's to great effect both in Tim Curry's performance, which I think elevates the entire miniseries, miniseries in, in general. Um, and I think that that's what we kind of get with the miniseries is people remember Tim Curry's performance and it kind of puts them into, gives them a little bit of a rose colored glasses about the miniseries. Yeah, it does. Um, because it's a made for TV movie. Yeah. But this one, it's not, it doesn't detract from it that he's just all out, just creepy, um, menacing clown makeup monster. Um, it's still a really good, um, uh, depiction of it for me. Now, I would like to point out you keep down, you keep downplaying the original it as a made for TV movie. Which version of The Shining was, uh, Stephen King's favorite? <laughs> uh, <laughs> the made for TV version that he wrote. <laughs> Which, honestly, that I actually really like the miniseries. Did, the didn't Shining. Stephen King also say he liked the Dark Tower movie? He did. There was no Dark Tower so, movie. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if they made one, I'm sure he would because it's stupid for him to say he hates it. Right. Mm-hmm. Like he's yeah. going to say he, he's not was Alan Moore that says he hates every yeah. Yeah. adaptation of his work. Yeah. <laughs> no, Stephen King, like, like, you know, 
he likes money. Yeah. Right. I, I yeah. cannot blame him. I like money. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny, and this is a bit of a tangent, but um, I read that he is in the process of getting the rights back to several of his works. Um, I did hear about that. Yeah, yeah. Like he, like going through legal channels to, to get the rights back. And I feel like that's smart on his part. <laughs> um, because I think that he senses, and I think the world senses that he's going through a little bit of a, of a renaissance. Um, he's like right on the cusp of that with, with it being so successful already. And then he's also got, um, uh, Mr. Mercedes, which is getting some pretty good reviews. The Mist has been pretty good uh, in a TV series, and a lot of his works are being are being brought back and and being adapted. And I think that I kind of see that as him kind of shoring up his uh, his treasure chest of of work. Um, which, by the way, you're talking about how the reception for it has been so good. Didn't it break Deadpool's uh, records for the uh, premiere of an R-rated film? It did. Did it really? Yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. wow. And, I mean, it that was is, not an easy feat either. I was no. looking at, uh, Huffington Post said an article that I was looking at as we were seeing here recording that it's on track for about a $101 million opening. Oh, man. That would be huge. For this weekend. I, if you, do, if you search just domestic, huge. it... That's I, it. Just said 101 million, okay. so yeah, probably I domestic. Worldwide. I think it's worldwide because right now, well, maybe I don't know. No, no, because domestic uh, Friday take was 51 million, so I think that it is just domestic. So really, yeah, it just can, says uh, end quote three day total tracking towards 101 million according to Deadline. Okay, wow. You can really kind of you can also phrase that by saying that it's on track to make its opening weekend be the entire worldwide box office of the dark tower <laughs> um, you know we could but we weren't going to rub that in we weren't but yeah <laughs> i was going to say that it's more it's triple their budget yeah, yeah which is true. a pretty good yeah. return on investment for no, them, which means absolutely maybe they'll make additional films if it's that oh, profitable yeah. oh yeah they definitely yeah i, I think they did just uh, officially greenlight the second one um which is going to be that's going to be really interesting too. It is, yeah. Like I'm very curious because so much of the success and so much of the momentum of this has been that feeling of nostalgia and that that childhood kind of bond and everything. Like they kind of um kind of capturing the same thing they captured the hearts of everyone that loves Stranger Things. So I'm kind of curious how the sequel is going to go with a 27 years later plot with adult characters. Well, yeah. this one, you know, this one real gen Mm-hmm. So now you're hooked. So you need to see what happens on that 27 years later with mm-hmm. when they come back yeah. as adults. But a lot of people may be hooked to those specific actors. Yeah. Um, also true. Like, you know, I didn't even know going into it that there was going to be a second one. I didn't know it was just part one. Mm-hmm. Um, I assumed it was going to be similar to the miniseries where it was, you know, complete. Um, as far as I know, um, jumping off different timelines. Or yeah, I figured it would be going back, back and, and forth, forth. Where this one's just the kids. So if they bring in a second movie and they don't have those kids again, people are going to be like, "Now which one was that?" Like, yeah, right. you already have characters that are pretty non-memorable. Mm-hmm. And if you try to say this person replaced that person, it might be confusing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I think that each kid kind of has a certain, uh, certain identifiable quality to him like uh, like eddie's the the hypochondriac stanley's the the jewish kid beverly's the girl um bill <laughs> mike's, Stutters. mike's the black kid mike's the black kid <laughs> um richie is the funny one right. um which man like tiny and i have talked on tower junkies we reviewed the we reviewed the book recently 
how Richie Tozier as a character is one of our favorite Stephen King characters. Mm-hmm. And I think that Stephen King has uh, has a really good knack for creating characters that are kind of that are on the surface kind of comic relief, but also being kind of really being like a good tether for the audience to kind of root for the characters and the the situations and everything like like a lot of people's favorite character in the dark tower is eddie dean who pops up in book two and two and on and he has that same kind of quality he's he's a comic relief kind of character who is kind of kind of commenting on the funny funny or the absurd nature of the situation and stuff and that's kind of something that Stephen King does really well and especially with Richie Tozier who he is providing this comic relief and they did they did uh slightly age up the age up the characters uh they were like they were 13 14 mm-hmm. or probably like 15 um in the books they were like 12 they were like 11 or 12 I think 11, or 12. Yeah. I think 11 yeah um but I didn't think that that was a detriment to it. And also it jumped from 58 to, to 88, or I think 89. Um, yeah, 89. 89, um, which I didn't think was a, was an issue either. And I yeah. think that – let's let's talk about that a little bit. Um, how did you guys feel about the setting of, of being in the 1980s? And do you think that um, knowing that the book is set in 1958 and 1959, how did that – how did that um, – change work for you did you did you think that that was a good idea to have it 89 and in into the uh present day for the sequel or would you rather have been the 50s you know i'm going to be honest with you i had forgotten oh, that yeah. it's originally <laughs> but then again when it came out in 1990 it would have made sense for it to start in the 50s mm-hmm. and then end in the late 80s yep. so for this film adaptation it makes sense mm-hmm. for it to start in the late 80s and come up to present day mm-hmm I mean, I didn't see anything that, uh, it, nothing was detracted from that. It was mm-hmm. a change that made sense. And that's probably part of why they could, uh, keep the $35 million budget. Yeah. Is because they didn't have to totally create something from the 50s. True. They had to recreate from the 80s. I agree. And I, the, my only problem with that time change is that uh, a six year old kid playing with a paper boat in 1989 is a little far-fetched i was like he'd probably be sitting at home playing atari right um (laughs) you know but like but that's that's a a minor nitpick and i I think it works fine you know i I feel like i feel like the the story has to you know move with time you can't Mm -hmm. i think i think to update some to have something in 1958 and then to the 80s I feel like a lot of people would just kind of be like, why? It doesn't necessarily yeah. need to be that way. Um, and I think it's for budgetary reasons, it makes sense to have, mm-hmm. you know, the later, the sequel set in present day. So True. I'm fine with it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it would isolate a lot of people, like a lot of the younger crowd. Yeah. Uh, if they did it in the fifties now, mm-hmm. I think they definitely want to pull at the, the strings of nostalgia. Yeah. Absolutely. And that makes a lot of sense also. So yeah, I didn't have any problems with it either. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. So, so, we're, uh, what, what else can we say, like, in, in non-spoiler for this? Uh, for it? Um, yeah, I think that would go more, more spoilers, kind okay. of, like, cause I kind of have a feeling about the tone mm-hmm. and whether or not I really consider it horror. Okay. Yeah. So, but, okay. you know, some, some of the things I think would deal more into spoilers. So, okay, sure. <laughs> okay. well, I think All the right. most important thing before you go into spoilers 
is to decide. I I was reading about it in the miniseries. The hair on the clown was actually Tim Curry's hair. Oh, they just dyed wow. it. I think it's the most important question to know: Was this actually Skarsgård's hair? Wow, that's a good question. I highly doubt it. I, yeah. <laughs> I doubt it too. But uh, but yeah, that'll. That'll keep everyone in suspense while we go to spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So if you haven't seen it and don't want to be spoiled, uh, go ahead and pause the episode and come back when you see it. When you're a kid, I think the universe revolves around you. You think that you'll always be protected and cared for. Then, one day, you realize that's not true. Because when you're alone as a kid, the monsters see you as weaker. You don't even know they're getting closer. Until it's too late. And spoilers on for it, 2017. So, spoilers. What did you guys think of the more horror elements? And and uh, then we can talk about talk about the overall tone and everything. Um, yeah. Did this movie frighten you guys? No. No. Really? I uh, there was there was no point where anxiety. I normally. You know, a little insight into me. I have anxiety issues. Mm-hmm. There are shows like um, those awkward sitcom comedies make me anxious. Mm-hmm. A lot of horror films, when I see stuff happening, makes me anxious. Except except for um, the bro- uh, Eddie's broken arm, mm-hmm. <laughs> there was nothing in there that made me squeamish, that made me anxious, or anything like that. That's not saying the movie is in any way a failure. Yeah. I love the heck out of it. Mm-hmm. But... It just didn't come off as a horror film. And I might have, you know, because I've, you know, stuff like Final Destination mm. and Saul and all these have been labeled over the past so many years as horror films. Mm. And this isn't like one of those type of films. Yeah. So that could have just been why I've gotten jaded mm-hmm. over some of the stuff like that. And I'm also, sure. just as I've already said, I'm not a huge follower or fan of the horror genre. I'm sure. more a sci-fi geek, mm-hmm. sci-fi and fantasy. But yeah, I was, I was honestly expecting to come in and like, I, I scarfed down my popcorn so I didn't jump and spill it on oh, any yeah. of you guys. <laughs> you know, I was making sure I was using the cup holder at all times. Mm-hmm. And yeah, nothing, like I said, the, the, all the quote unquote jump scares were actually used in the trailer. Or were telegraphed by the music. Mm-hmm. So, wow! I I mean, I thought it was pretty scary, actually. <laughs> um, I thought. I mean, I, it's not like I was like shaking or like you know, but my heart was pumping for a few scenes, um, especially down in the cellar. Yeah. When the when Pennywise kind of runs after Bill and um, the the scene in the room with Richie and it's just the clowns. Yes. That stuff was. That, I thought that was pretty scary. There were there were a couple times where I was like, "Holy crap! This is actually." You know, and just in general, I mean, I mean, I, I'm not scared by that kind of stuff personally. Like if it was a bunch of aliens, I'd have been shit in my pants. Sure. Um, but, um, <laughs> yeah, but that, that did just personally, it didn't scare me that much. But in general, like for a general audience, yeah, I think it was, man, it was, 
It was pretty effective. Wasn't, wasn't there somebody down below us that yelled out, like, seriously or something like that during one of the... Oh, I didn't hear that. I think, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think when Richie goes into the room and you see they're, they're all covered, I think someone said, like, oh, no, or, oh, like, like it was very much like, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> kind of like a very exaggerated thing. It was That was enjoyable. I liked that. Wow. Um, Matt, how about you? Yeah, I, I'm kind of with Tony on there. Like, I don't know if it fits the horror genre. I think it it's not... Like a lot of the horror movies where, you know, like the Saws and Final Destinations and things mm-hmm. that he mentioned where they try to just do the jump scares. But this one, it's one that's going to leave more of a lasting reaction on you. Like when you're in a situation that may be a little scary, you go down into your own cellar or you, mm-hmm. you know, go into that. It's going to be in the back of your head. Mm-hmm. That, you know, you saw that one scene where Pennywise comes out of the water God and it's it. going to scare the yeah. shit out of you. <laughs> I have a mur- I have a hundred year old house with a murder basement. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. Uh, it's, damn it's, it. it's a completely different type of horror. Like, I, I agree. I don't know that it fits the horror genre like boilerplate there, but it does give a sense of horror to you. Yeah, yeah. And anytime you guys plan on like going spelunking down a sewer drain, I mean that's gonna that's gonna change how you feel about that um, <laughs> for sure. But, yeah, I thought, you know, it's interesting. I felt like the horror elements of it, like like Tony said, they, they telegraphed a lot of the sequences. And that's not, in my opinion, that's not to the detriment of the movie. That's just, like, a good set dressing, good set, uh, like, build-up and everything. So when Richie goes into the room on the house on Niebolt Street, like, you're... They're, they've set the stage for that. He sees the missing, uh, the missing kid flyer... He, uh, they establish that he's afraid of clowns. They have everyone shrouded in, in covers. Then slowly they, uh, reveal the clowns and then the coffin. It's like, it's all these elements that come together and it's really well done. But I didn't have like a, like, like my, I didn't, nothing sent shivers down my spine. But that's not to the, that's not as, uh, as a fault of the movie or anything. It's just I was more invested in, in, the characters in, in the movie and uh, wasn't too concerned about the horror spectacle of it. Um, having said that, the set pieces, especially the house on Niebolt Street, that whole sequence was really well done because they basically they have Stan, Richie, and or no Eddie, Richie, and uh, Bill go into the house, and then Pennywise slowly isolates each one of them, mm-hmm. and each one has a different ordeal. And the way that the that the suspense and the uh, violence and terror just crescendos and, and builds up in, into a crescendo that it's, it's really remarkable how, how it was done and, and the effect that it had on the rest of the movie, really. Like that sequence was probably one of my favorite sequences of the entire movie because of those factors. And, um, <laughs> and then it also just made me, uh, laugh because when the, uh, when the kind of lava-esque, liquid is coming out of the mattress um i just in my head i just kept thinking like oh the floor's lava that's exactly lava. what i thought <laughs> yeah. I, I thought, thought it was like a boiling <laughs> acid yeah it might have been yeah I'm not but sure. you know when sure. all you have going through your head is the floor is lava yeah. <laughs> it becomes lava <laughs> yeah <laughs> but yeah i i agree that scene in particular the first the first entry into the the house on nybolt street was mm-hmm. extra scary especially when pennywise pops out of the that was just a cool effect scene i think yeah pennywise coming out of the old refrigerator that mm. was man oh, that was very cool. that was very All scary yeah. yeah did anyone else get the scene like when he was when 
Freddy was isolated with the clowns and they had all the covers on, did anyone else think like when they went to pull off the covers that it was going to be like the angels from Doctor Who? Oh, wow. <laughs> I don't know why that popped in my head, but I was like, huh. Honestly, I thought, I thought it was going to be the missing kids. Yeah. Oh, that would have been interesting. Yeah. So. Um, I like the idea of the Weeping Angels, though. That's good. <laughs> I like that. Um, yeah, that, that sequence was amazing. And I like that they, I like that they face off against Pennywise uh, himself. Cause in the book, it's, it's different. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it's, I won't spoil it or anything, but it's different. I like that Pennywise is like the, uh, I guess I like, I don't have any issues with it, but I like that they made Pennywise more more Pennywise and less shape-shifting. Right. Um, like, there were some, like, they included, like, the leper, and then they had the thing with Stan in the, in the, the, the painting. painting. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like that Pennywise was so, such a factor, pivotal factor in the, in the story and the terror. Yeah. Totally. Did they do anything? I remember in the miniseries, and I'm starting to get to the point in the book where they're mentioning, like, the silver coins or the pieces of silver that they eventually flung at Pennywise's head in the miniseries. Right. Mm-hmm. They didn't do anything with that that I the can think only so, of. They kept they focusing did. on the bicycle. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I guess that yeah. was. But th- that was because like Bill would always be like running away saying, I owe silver. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. Remember, it's been years. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I just saw it last night, so I was curious. Like, yeah. In the book, there's a guy going into a bar, and he has he leaves silver dollars. Mm-hmm. In yeah. the miniseries, it's chunks of silver? I don't even remember what it was, sure. but they use a, a slingshot. Yeah. yeah. Well, in the book, don't they? They melt down half dollars. They That's do what I they to did. make it like uh, to make. They were trying to make bullets, but then they they eventually made slugs that they would use a slingshot. Right. I think the reason that they updated it to just the the bolt thing for the for the sheep or whatever. Um, lamps, sheep, sheep. The same thing. You. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's bad. Yeah, God. that's probably gonna get bad. Anyway, <laughs> no, uh, and I think that the reason that they use the bolt instead of the slingshot is that I feel like, for me, and Grant, to preface this, I was born in '86, so what the hell do I know? But I feel like the slingshot was, is more like a '50s kid yeah. kind of thing. Like I can't think of anyone in the '80s like like right. having like, oh slingshot. I, I made my own slingshots, but did you? Yeah, nice. I'm a little older than you, but not as old as Tony yet. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, but Screw I was you all. <laughs> taking a beating in this. <laughs> I was also thinking like that the logical thing to do would be give them guns essentially but i think a lot of people that would cause a shit storm for pr yeah if you had kids with guns yeah. right right yeah so i think they find found a good middle ground with with the bolt thing because it's i mean it's a gun essentially <laughs> yeah right yeah um yeah what did you guys think of we can talk more in more specifics about this now uh henry bowers Pretty, I, go ahead, go ahead. Pretty, uh, pretty dark. I mean, he, he obviously is a dark character in the book and he's deeply disturbed. I mean, he has intentions of killing the Losers Club. I mean, mm-hmm. this is, you know, a teenager who wants to kill kids. Um, so he's arguably almost as dangerous as Pennywise is, uh, it. So I think they did a pretty good job, uh, capturing him in this movie. I think in the miniseries, he was a little bit, the the actor was a little off base. I think it was just a little over the top. But I mean, uh, he he seemed like almost more tame in the miniseries. But in this version, he was full on psychopathic yeah. Henry Bowers. And you know, we actually got to see him carve the H into Ben's mm-hmm. chest, yeah. uh, stomach and stuff like that. And you know, they kind of cut a corner there in the miniseries. And so I feel like they they, they went as all out as they could, pretty much with mm-hmm. with Henry Bowers. And I was pretty happy with with the result. Nice. 
You guys? I have no opinion because I didn't remember the character, so I have no okay. basis sure. for him. Did Was he taken out by the kids in the book, in the series, or did he no. return He did later? return. In the miniseries, he came back. He was yeah. in a psychiatric ward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then he came back when they were all in like this little inn or motel, and he crawled in through a window, and then he stabbed... Uh, Mike. Mike. Yeah, yeah, he stabbed Mike, and then they ended up taking Mike to the hospital and all that stuff. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. In the book, it's it's a uh, it's different from that, but he does appear in the in the in the 1985 or 86 uh, storyline in in the book, which it's interesting because the way that he's dealt with in this movie, it seems like he's not going to come back. Yeah. Um, but who knows? Which is kind of. Because I mean, he hit that wall yeah. kind of hard when you saw him drop. Yeah. yeah. There there was a bed under there. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to worry. Like, it was a very soft well. <laughs> well, remember, he went down and they all float. Yeah, yeah that's, they, true. that's true. Yeah. <laughs> what did you guys think of uh, Pennywise's lair down mm. underground? That was kind of weird. It was interesting seeing them literally floating. Yeah. Which yeah, is I liked that element. Too. Removed from the book, there's never any... I don't think there's any description of that. I don't of, think no. so. I think floating is kind of like just a scary thing that he says. Right. And, you know... With the... With the just talking about the, the the balloons and stuff. I like that they made that tie to it in the, mm-hmm. in the movie. That yeah, the kids are floating. It's, right. it's, that's a nice like payoff to that. I guess. Right. I didn't see it coming. I mean, I, I didn't. I didn't expect them to take that literally, but yeah. I thought it was cool. I mean, I thought his lair was really cool. You know, in in the book and in the miniseries, it's just, it's just kind of like a cave. Yeah. It's kind of nondescript. Mm-hmm. But in this, it's like it's 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 part of the sewer system. Like it's and he has like mm-hmm. this this structure he built and you know it's 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 his house it's his lair i think it's i thought it was pretty cool i thought I didn't a good see it as like something he built i thought it was just where all the drains kind of came together and flushed down all the crap that people forget about like yeah i mean there were like chairs and stuff and i don't know how a chair fits down a drain but it's kind of where like <laughs> everything just kind of gathered at the end right that's true but then he had like that kind of structure that yeah. was in the middle I where... didn't, for some reason i didn't think he had built it i just could kinda, be i don't know i don't know that's a good question. It could be what's either. holding up all the floating kids. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Who knows? But huh. you see, I viewed it as like all the stuff because you saw a lot of tricycles mm-hmm. and bikes and kids' toys all around this circus wagon mm-hmm. for Pennywise the Dancing Clown, and I kind of viewed it as all the stuff he got as he grabbed the kids. Yeah, that's probably. What that's I mean, what I, was I, 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 true. I see what you're saying, Matt, but. I'm just, that's kind of how I was viewing it. It's like, this is just where everything from his years of grabbing children mm-hmm. and ending people, that's just where it accumulated. So, yeah. mm-hmm. plus like things like the, like the ironworks explosion and the different explosions and stuff. Like there's a lot of debris and stuff that I'm sure is part of that too. Right. Um, true. But yeah, I really liked the layer and I liked how it's just enhanced the overall thought of, of Pennywise as, as in it as a creature, like have like, being part of the history of it and uh the floating part of it was was pretty interesting now did how did you guys feel about the uh lack of history about it as a creature did you think that the pennywise and it were did you did you want to have any more background on on what the monster was and and everything because there's some of that in the book um a little bit which i i actually really enjoyed um but it it wasn't in the movie. Did you guys feel like? Did you have any questions or issues with that? Um, don't interrupt me, dog. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we happen to be by a pet store, so of course there's yeah. there's going to be a pup or two barking. Um, honestly, I mean they touched on 
not as much as he did in the books, but they touched on yeah. enough to let you know that this is a recurring thing with this creature, with this, uh, whatever it is. It was, uh, yeah. they, I thought, I felt they touched on it well enough. They didn't dwell on it. They found mm-hmm. a nice, happy medium, mm-hmm. if you sure. will. Yeah, you know, it's a typical problem with Stephen King adaptations. You have to cut somewhere, and yeah. they kind of cut that stuff out. And I loved all that stuff in the book. I mm-hmm. thought it was so great, uh, but it it wasn't absolutely integral to the story. And I think, sure. I, I think like Tony said, they touched on it enough here and there to where people are, people get it and they understood what you know that this yeah. is a. I, I don't think they quite tapped into the idea that it is like eternal. Mm-hmm. Which in the miniseries he actually says that he says I am eternal. Yeah. Um. And I don't think they quite got to the same depth as the book in the miniseries. Mm-hmm. Um. But it, it was substantial enough, yeah. and I think it. And they have room to expand on that in the sequel too. Right. right. Yeah. Right. And also people that really want to know more, like I really want to know more, but I didn't feel the movie was lacking. Mm-hmm. But since I want to know more, I'll just go read the book. Right. Uh, you know, for the movie, it wasn't a huge portion like you didn't have to know all the backstory about mm-hmm. it they gave enough for it to be whole for most people and then you know people like me that want to know more we'll go read the book sure right well actually would have worked very well with this you guys remember the blair witch project mm-hmm. yes and how they did all the build-up about the history yeah. online and like with the, the website stuff. and the books and all the viral this would have been a fantastic oh, yeah. opportunity yeah the history of pennywise the history of Derry, maine that would be and cool for the sequels, like doing like kind of an... They could do like an ARG. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Like an ARG and have like different uh, history things, because a big part of the the interludes in the book are all history of Dairy Maine yeah. and, and the different uh, events and stuff. Like that could be, that could be really Marketing, good. we want to see this, make this happen. Marketing, yes. if you find this podcast... Yeah. Take that. I'm not even going to say, Hey, I told them to do that. I know, right. I know nothing. <laughs> yeah, I just want to see this happen. I know yeah. that, I know that there's people at Warner Brothers who listen to us. So yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Good God. Those dogs are, you know, thinking of the those dogs are... going off of what you were saying about the cat earlier. Yes. Okay. Um, at one point, Henry is looking like he's going to shoot a cat mm-hmm. and my heart was in my throat. Yeah, I, I was too. <laughs> and then I look back and think, I could give a shit if one of the kids dies. <laughs> but the cat is important to me. Right. And I'm like, I feel like I'm a bad person. And probably, like, I'm a recent parent. Like, I'm like, maybe I'm a bad parent too. Like, <laughs> but I'm like more worried about the cat than any sure. of the people in the show. Sure. Yeah, you're awful people. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a well, dog person. Uh, yeah. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Well, he's not you the mascot. You call that a dog? So, <laughs> if it had been a Shih Tzu, I would have been crying. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, I just I when I just when I get home, I'm gonna hold my pizza roll. <laughs> oh god. Um, but anyway, uh, one kind of leapfrogging, leapfrogging off of that is that uh, the Henry Bowers and uh, Patrick Hockstetter, uh, Hawk, uh, who uh, in the movie he is. Dispatched with pretty early, <laughs> yeah. pretty easily. Um, I really liked that sequence where he's chasing the losers and he goes into the, into the drain pipe place and, uh, he's, you know, I kept thinking like that would be a pretty cool way to evade like bullies if you just dressed up in like dead kid makeup and like a sewer and scared the shit out of them. <laughs> but then he ends up getting killed and that's different from in the book. And that's one of the changes that I really enjoyed was that uh, one of the things that I really liked about the book 
uh, or about the adaptation is that in the book he is depicted as like he's like the like real like sociopath of the of the uh, the Bowers gang, and he is like he's he's the one that like kills animals and and has you know gets his jollies off of that. Um, but one of the issues with the book that I have was that it's not very, it's kind of an afterthought in the book. Like he's kind of developed, uh, he's kind of introduced kind of late and then dispatched with pretty quickly after he's introduced. And it just kind of seems like, like that could have been trimmed out. But in the movie, they kind of took him as being like, uh, as being kind of just a member of the gang and everything. And then they kind of transplanted some of his socio, uh, 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 sociopathy um over to henry and i think that worked really well especially when you see that he's you know prepared to kill this cat and then he goes and murders murders his father it's a it's a really good uh change for the for the movie that made the character of henry bowers more formidable and less two-dimensional so i guess what i said earlier about kind of having him being a lacking villain i think overall i actually enjoyed his characterization in the movie and his arc in the movie um i just wish that there was a little less ambiguity about whether or not he's going to come back because yeah. I think that the sequel should have him in it, but we'll, we'll see, I guess. Um, we didn't see a body. Yeah. Right. <laughs> True. Also, when he True. did kill his father, mm-hmm. did anyone else think like the spring in that knife must be a really strong spring? Yes. Yeah. Like yeah. they should have had him like click open the knife cause it's a front loading knife. Like, right. like mm-hmm. you know, traditional switchblade and they should have just had him like slit his dad's throat or stab yeah, him right. in the heart or something. But, how the like because it kind of zooms in on the knife and he just kind of pushes the button and the hand doesn't move at all or anything mm. just you know shink right into his throat. Right. Most people yeah. uh, don't understand modern spring loaded knives. I don't think Most I have, people like, a don't big... think like that. Yeah. <laughs> Most people don't think. Will this knife actually pierce a throat? <laughs> it, they won't. <laughs> There's also... a reason why my back's not completely against the wall right now. <laughs> But also with with Henry, like in the movie, they had like the dead eyes and his hair turned all white. In the books, was that a thing or was that just for the movie adaptation, the older uh, one? I don't remember if that's in the book or not. Um, so I, I haven't got that far. I want to say that it, his hair does turn white. I want to say that that's the case. Did they do any dead eyes in this movie? I didn't see any other than just the glint of silver in the eyes. Well, I mean, uh, uh, Bev... Oh, Do you yeah. think was that what was what it was considered? Because she saw the, she saw oh, yeah. the deadlights. I guess that's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and there were no mention of the deadlights, but they showed there wasn't. them. Right. Right. Yeah. Deadlights, not. Yeah. 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 Which I think uh, in the in the book, does Stan or no? It's I think it's Richie looks into the deadlights mm-hmm. when they when they attack. I think it's that's right. as as kids. Yeah. I wonder if that's going to be Stan because Stan was the only one who was all like, literally attacked and like almost. Right by it, yes. In the movie, um, That's true. I mean, Eddie had his arm broken, but that was just kind of a result of mm-hmm. falling. But like, his, Stanley Uris was about to be eaten, and, yeah. and killed, and so like, I wonder if he caught a glimpse of the deadlights during that. I would not be surprised if that's the case. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I, I thought know. at that point that he was just completely dead. I was like, so did I. Okay. I, I, like, I didn't. Too. Yeah, I was like, man, that's a bold choice. Yeah, just killing him right now. Yeah. <laughs> right. And then what's interesting is they leave the room and the floor is back a hundred percent. Fine. Oh, yeah. That's true, yeah. And to kind of go back about the spring-loaded uh, knife and everything, also, you can kind of explain that away by saying that, uh, the by saying that you know, Pennywise probably gave it a nudge, too. It's true. Sure. Could be. I mean, it's a, it's a minor issue. Yeah. I just was yeah. curious if anyone else thought the same thing. I yeah. did. I thought the same thing. Okay. Yeah. And I, I kind of thought it was funny, because you can kind of sit there and think that it's... Uh, 
<laughs> you can you can kind of think um, that it's an issue with that. Or when watching it in the scene, you can think like, okay, maybe they're just kind of trying to, you know, trim the budget. Maybe they don't have the budget for a big set piece. And then cut to just blood pouring yeah. Yeah. all over his body. That's <laughs> yeah, I, blood's cheap. It's a nice. And it was, yeah. it was still sure. effective. It was oh, an effective absolutely. Scene. I like oh, yeah. speaking of blood. I liked the blood coming out of the sink. That scene in, that was very cool. in this movie versus the miniseries yeah. way better. Yeah. Yeah. To be fair, in the miniseries, there wasn't a whole lot of blood because it wasn't rated R. Right. Like, they never cut open. They never cut the H on the stomach. They right. never had a lot of those because it had to be on TV. Yeah. So they probably were yeah. limited as to how much blood they could have. It's true. Yeah. I was just. It was very satisfying. I think to see that it was like oh, yeah. they went. It, they went like over the top in a good way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, do you guys have any casting choices for the? Uh, for the adult characters in the sequel, I, uh, the Seinfeld signcast, uh, signcast, or wow, the Seinfeld podcast called Seinfeld, uh, shared a picture that was a bunch of, uh, actors from Seinfeld just like, like in boxes and then it said it underneath it, like that they would be the actors to play it in. It's, I'm not doing it justice, but like, like, uh, Jerry has like, like, uh, it's a shot of him with like really goofy glasses to kind of be like Richie. And, uh, it's, it's really funny. I, I shared it to the Facebook page, or I think on Tower Junkies Facebook page. Um, but yeah, check that out. I'll put the link in the show notes and everything, but it was really funny. Do you guys have any actor choices for the, uh, adult characters? I think uh, he's too old now, but I actually thought Jeremy Piven would be a good Richie Tozier. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. I think Jeremy Piven's a little too old now, maybe. Yeah. But, uh. I can see that. I just. Jeremy you don't Piven. like Jeremy Piven. Yeah. I don't. I just, I anytime I see him, I'm like, he just looks like such a gaping asshole. Yeah. <laughs> I thought, yeah. I think maybe Richie is just the one because he's kind of the most, most out there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I, that immediately I come up with a couple people. Like I, for some reason would think like Billy West for all his voices and crazy things. Like, oh, that'd be cause he did a lot of voices in the book mm-hmm. uh-huh. uh, and he kind of did the same thing. But then also part of me, like wants to see nostalgia and have Seth Green come back. I oh, I would cool. love that. That would be pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I yeah yeah. I, I think cool. uh, my my fiance Paige and her friend from work who were there mm-hmm. they were talking and they think that um the actress who played um Bev Beverly I forget her name uh she looked similar to like a young Amy Adams. Oh yeah. Cool if Amy Adams played Beverly Marsh. What if they had Molly Ringwald come back to play for the adult version? That would be pretty cool. I think she might be a little too old as well. She might be. But I mean, since she's even like properly referenced in the movie. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Jared Leto in all the roles. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Oh, that is a perfect response. (laughs) Him as the clown, he's just got tattooed hair everywhere. (laughs) Oh my god. Um yeah, and to kind of backtrack a little bit, what did you guys think of Beverly in the movie? I thought she was incredibly charming. Yeah, um, she was. And I totally got the kind of connection between the characters and everything. Like, like you can see how, like, those characters could, like, just fall in love with her. Mm-hmm. And then also just the, I don't know, it seemed like having that kind of uh, genre, or not genre, but gender kind of thing where it's like, like, girls hanging out with guys it can be very awkward mm-hmm. um for the movie um and the in the um connection between all of them the chemistry is what i'm saying um and i think they did it really really well yeah i would like to say that i'm not sure if you guys noticed uh the first interaction i know exactly what you're gonna Beverly say and ben 
when they're throwing the new kids on the block references back and forth, and she walks away, and he waits just a pause too late and throws another one out, yes. and then explains himself. I looked over at Matt, yeah. and I just did the whole point at my eyes, yep. point at him. And I was like, <laughs> I can't even argue. That is exactly... That's... I thought that yeah. was really yes. clever and kind of a funny running gag almost. Right. I mean, it's only a couple times, but it's two's running, right? Yeah. Uh, three times because she mentioned it when it? when he when they were patching yeah. him up in the alley and she's like, "Do they have oh, all that's the right, right stuff?" stuff. Yeah, that was hilarious. So was many people awesome. didn't get that too. I, I love because I laughed audibly, but like a lot oh, of yeah. other people didn't in the theater. So that was yeah. that was clever. That was great. And then the poster, the I, poster, poster behind the door so was amazing. Yeah. He's oh, just yeah. like, "No, please don't, please don't." So great. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I mean, we can kind of start winding down a little bit here. Um. What do you guys think overall? Any other thoughts on the movie? I actually have one more thing. I mm-hmm. want to see if this was just me or if you guys caught it too. Sure. Right after the scene where they get Mike down in the tunnel with them, mm-hmm. was it just me or was that a really awkward cut to where all of a sudden stands by himself? Yeah, I didn't know where he had gone. I didn't know he had gone anywhere on his own and then all of a sudden he's huh. just showing up alone. I yeah. agree. That was sloppy. I was like, wait a minute, why is he there? They didn't show him going there or anything. I agree. Uh yeah. Yeah, it didn't really register with me, but when I see it again, I'll probably notice it for sure. Because it's definitely going to be seen again. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. If I saw another movie twice, I'll definitely <laughs> see this one twice. But remember, the second uh, time was with me. That's true. That's true. <laughs> but none of you other slackers. Right. <laughs> I couldn't do it. I just couldn't. I know. It's okay. Sure. Sure. Um, so yeah, so where does this rank with you with movies for the year, horror movies in general, uh, Stephen King adaptations? How do you guys feel about this movie overall? Any other parting thoughts? Uh, let's go and start with Tiny. Yeah, yeah uh, it's going to be in my top ten. I can't imagine nice. it won't make it into my top ten. Um, and part of that is bias, because like I said, it is bec- it has become one of my favorite books. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this was a a very good adaptation of the book. So it's, it's going to be in my top 10. It's in my top five right now, probably. Mm. Um, I really liked it. And, um, I think I keep comparing it to the miniseries cause I watched it recently. And I yeah. think, I think what I liked about the miniseries is that they actually did the whole, both storylines at the same time. Yeah. And I think it, like that miniseries is, it's kind of, it's, it's campy as all hell and it's right. not great, but I think they balanced that super well. In, in that miniseries, and I almost missed hmm. it a little bit during this movie. I, I, I kind of missed it just a little bit, but uh, I understand the logistics of it are really difficult, and they couldn't, you know, this is just a different interpretation of it, and I didn't have a big problem with it. Sure. Um, but I think, I think when they release the second one, and you can sit there and watch them both back-to-back or take them in as, as a two-part movie, hmm. I think I'm going to like it even more. Yeah. So I just I can't wait for... 2019 or whenever they release right. that second one that's going to be awesome yeah so well you know like i said this is not my preferred genre right i mean i'm looking over the films i've seen this year and i'm looking at stuff like lego batman guardians of the galaxy wonder woman <laughs> cars 3 spider-man homecoming and the dark tower oh okay. wow so obviously <laughs> these last two are ones that i have gone to see because of starting to do these uh group viewings sure so you're you're breaking me out of my preferred genres and breaking me out of you know the the rut if you will nice of mainstream comic book movies sure (laughs) Sure. that being said i don't i am i'm glad 
I went to see this. This nice. was very, very good, very enjoyable. Like I said, I think I had built myself up to a bunch of jump scares, a little bit of gore, stuff mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, it's not to say there wasn't any blood. Yeah. I mean, let, let's face it, Georgie's end was not that, pretty. Yeah, yeah, we did not really talk about that, yeah, but that no, sequence the, was amazing. They went yeah. all in on that scene. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So his his end was not pretty. Yeah. Right. But it was, I mean, it was not overdone. Mm-hmm. Everything. I mean, they went overboard with the uh, blood in the bathroom, but you really needed to yeah. for that scene. But otherwise, it was it was very well done. It found a nice balance. It was well written. It was well acted, for the most part. I mean, beautifully shot. Like you mm-hmm. said, I mean the the vistas and the scenery yeah. and all mm-hmm. that very well done. Some really interesting angles mm-hmm. used, especially when they're shooting Pennywise. Yeah. yeah. So stuff just like the whole dancing in his um trailer his scene when yeah. uh, Beverly first met him in his lair. That just that whole off kilter. Mm-hmm. Look, and I'm, I'm making hand motions, which right. once again, we've talked about before how well that translates to audio. <laughs> but um, just, yeah, no, very well done and definitely looking forward to the second part nice. to see how they wrap it up. Nice. Sweet. Matt, how about you? Yeah, I kind of agree with Tony. You know, this I'm not a big fan of the horror genre, but this is my type of horror movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought it was really well done. I too really liked the camera angles, you know, the off skew. And then also they did something where like the camera would almost like stutter mm-hmm. and get closer and closer each stutter. And yeah. it seemed to work really well. Um, I really enjoyed it looking, you know, I don't watch as many movies as you guys do, uh, but it's up there with like this year for me, like guardians of the galaxy and, you know, a couple others. Like it, I'm, I'm really happy. I saw it. Nice. Um, really enjoy it. Nice. Sweet. And yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it's going to be close to the top. If not, like it, it might be my number one right now, uh, for the, for the year. I just loved, loved, loved this movie. It captured the spirit of what makes Stephen King's novel and his work in general just really great for me. And it was just a movie that was two hours and 15 minutes long and just felt like I just really wanted to stay in that world and, um, and, continue watching a bunch of kids get killed um (laughs) but yeah it was it was really spectacular uh very very well written very well paced very very incredible uh visual effects and and uh yeah it was it was great i'll uh definitely have it up toward the top of my top 10 at the end of the year and uh yeah so as we're kind of winding down that's about it for the review um do you guys want to share like where we can find you online or if you want to publicize that, Matt. <laughs> uh, Matt. Yeah. Uh, I I don't really have a huge online presence. Sure. You don't need to. Well, I do. I have more of one than I'd like. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't need to put that out there, I guess. Gotcha. <laughs> Especially <laughs> talking about what you do for a living. Yeah. Right. I, yes. What I do for a living, I try to keep a fairly low profile. Sure. So, no, I don't have any place. I mean, if you Google me, you'll find tons of things. Mm-hmm. Um, some that I'd rather people not see. But done. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, I don't really have a. a it blog sounds or like you for work you for like an escort service or something. Yeah, I know. I guess now it sounds really bad. <laughs> or you work for the CIA or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I just I, I just break stuff. Nice. Nice. <laughs> Tony, uh, do you want to give your whole spiel? Once again, this is Tony Troxel from Indiana Geeking. You can find me by pretty much Googling Indiana Geeking, and you can find my Twitter feed, my Facebook page, my 
Google Plus accounts, the Geeking Shop. You can find just about everything. Make sure if this comes out before the end of the week, make sure you go to Nuvo.net and nominate me for the best local Twitter feed. Or don't. I really don't care because it seems like Nuvo does not this year. <laughs> Moving on. Nice. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us on this podcast and joining us for the screening and everything. Um, and yeah, I really hope that we do more of these kind of group screenings and, uh, and everything. So we'll have to do this again sometime. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Uh, anything else? Any, anything You're else? You're welcome for so. the recording equipment. Yes. And thank you for <laughs> setting up the recording and everything. Tony, yeah. you are a great asset to us. <laughs> you know, and if, if these start getting bigger, I'm going to get the add-on for this eventually that we will nice. be able to add two more microphones to six tracks. Nice. Cool. So, oh, that's awesome. Man. It's only like 60, 70 bucks. <laughs> only. Air quotes. Right. Only yeah. 60, $70. <laughs> yeah. So, that's about a month and a half of Patreon for me. How's it for you guys? Yeah. Uh, that's not, I was just going to say. <laughs> Hashtag go, humble brag. Yeah. <laughs> I was just going to say go to tony's site and click feed the vlogger but fuck you now <laughs> you know and how you're talking um about the group meetups it'd be mm. a really good time to probably pimp out the facebook uh group yes, yes. absolutely go to facebook.com slash the obsessive viewer and join our facebook group it's a lot of fun we have uh nice little discussions and everything uh basically i like to post in there whenever i remember that i have a facebook group and then, <laughs> uh, and then uh we get responses it's a lot of fun it's yeah it's it's nice <laughs> yep um and also check out shocktober in irvington october 6th at the irving theater it's a Group screening of, or not group screening, but it's a, a one night event screening of short horror films from local filmmakers. Um, it's at the Irving Theater. We're going to have a lot of great prizes, a lot of great filmmakers. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. It, tickets are on sale now. Go to shocktoberinirvington.com and, uh, buy your tickets. Yeah. Nice. And, uh, anything else? Tiny? Anything? Is there any promo codes they can use to, uh, <laughs> Oh, yes. Tickets? You can use promo code podcast1 to get $1 off the admission. Thank you, Tony. <laughs> and is there going to be prizes yeah. available if there people show up? A bunch of prizes. <laughs> we actually have really good prizes set up this year. We have a bunch of Funko Pops. We've got a great, uh, we have copies of, uh, great party games like Buy the Rights, which you can hear us play on the podcast, uh, several episodes ago. I'll put a link in the show notes. Also, the other game, uh, Movie Buff, which we had the creator of on for our indie popcon episode. Mm-hmm. I actually just saw them at uh, at Horrorhound last night, and uh, I stopped by and just said hey to them and everything. They're doing very well, and and I hear that uh, I hear that uh, to- uh, to- Tommy and and them over at By the Rights are doing very well yeah. too. So they had a great Gen yeah. Con from what I saw. Did, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's awesome. So awesome. It's great for them. So awesome. So yeah, uh, we'll be giving away those prizes as well as uh, paperback editions of it. Uh, the Shining and the Gunslinger. Um, yeah, so go to sharktobernervington.com, buy your tickets, podcast one promo code, and I think that'll do it for this episode of The Obsessive Viewer. Yep. Uh, thank you guys for listening, and Tony, thank you again for setting up the recording and everything. And Matt, thank you for coming to the screen, and also thank you, Tony, for coming to the screen. <laughs> yeah. um, and for actually pushing me toward doing these group screenings. Like, this is kind of your idea. These are fun. I think, uh, we, should, I think we, we should do more of these. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, all right. Well, uh, having said all that, thank you guys for listening, and uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks.
tickets are on sale now for the fourth annual Shocktober in Irvington presented by the Obsessive Viewer Podcast. Join the hosts of the Obsessive Viewer on October 6th, 2017 at the Irving Theater for a one-night event screening of short horror films including the premiere screenings of the latest film in J.P. Lex's cross-medium elsewhere world universe, the latest film from Snapshot Productions, and much more. Come celebrate the horror genre in the historic Irvington area and meet the filmmakers with live Q&As after each screening. You can also win DVDs and Blu-rays, movie-related party games, horror-themed Funko Pop figures, gift cards to Irvington businesses, and so much more. Tickets are on sale now at shocktoberinirvington.com. All proceeds go directly to the Irvington Historical Society. And whether at the Irving Theater or in your nightmares, we will be seeing you on the 6th of October. Thank you for listening to The Obsessive Viewer, presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. You can find more of our episodes at ovpodcast.com, and you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or anywhere else podcasts are found. If you'd like to support the show, the best and easiest way is to leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. More ratings and reviews means it'll be easier for people to find the show in the highly competitive film and TV podcast genre. It also provides us with valuable feedback on the show. If you'd like to donate to the podcast, you can make a one-time PayPal donation at obsessiveviewer.com slash donate or become a patron at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer for recurring donations with different reward tiers. Every donation goes toward paying the fees to keep the podcast running and is greatly appreciated. For official Obsessive Viewer merch, including shirts, mugs, notebooks, phone cases, and more, visit our Tee Public store. You can also buy other great Tee Public designs in our store, and we'll get a small commission on the sale. You can find a link to the store in the show notes of this episode and at obsessiveviewer.com slash donate. The Obsessive Viewer's theme song is An Eclipse of Events and is provided by Loudlike from their EP, Mistakes We Must Make. You can find that and more great music from them on iTunes and like their Facebook page at facebook.com slash loudlikemusic. Any and all feedback on the podcast is encouraged. We love to hear from you guys. You can contact us by emailing podcast at obsessiveviewer.com or by tweeting us at obsessiveviewer, at obsessivetiny, and at I am Mike White. You can also like us on Facebook and join the Facebook group at facebook.com slash theobsessiveviewer where you can take part in discussions and polls between episodes. For more podcast content, check out Anthology, Matt's solo podcast, where he's reviewing The Twilight Zone as a first-time viewer and exploring other classic and contemporary science fiction anthology TV shows. You can find Anthology at anthologypod.com and anywhere podcasts are found. For book lovers, you can check out our sister site at obsessivebooknerd.com for book reviews, author spotlights, and a general celebration of reading. Finally, if you're philosophically curious, check out Tiny's side project podcast, The Secular Perspective, which explores the concepts of faith, religion, and existence from the perspective of secular hosts Chad and Amanda. You can find that at thesecularperspective.com and subscribe to the podcast on the app of your choice. Once again, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.